0: They pop their trunk, we load the meals in the back, and they go out and deliver. When they get to the home, they just give them a phone call. They say, were here to deliver your meals. They leave the meal on the
1: porch and uh, go to the next address. Our church building was right in the line. I mean, uh, it went right behind our church building over on that side of town. So we were watching the whole thing as we could see the tornado form online.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Byron Tyler. Mid-South Viewpoint started reporting on the relief work of Eight Days of Hope when tornadoes ripped through North Mississippi back in January. Then we followed their efforts in Nashville and Middle Tennessee after tornadoes violently swept through those communities, claiming the lives of 30 people. They're based out of Tupelo, Mississippi. Currently, Eight Days of Hope is helping residents in their own community in light of COVID-19 by sending as many as 2,000 meals a night Give us more information. We've got uh, Rapid Response Manager Chris Childs on the line right now. Chris, how are you coping with COVID-19?
0: Well, brother, we've been blowing and going since I got back from Nashville here at our headquarters. Uh, We were contacted by the American Family Association. They're also based out of Tupelo and said, hey, we want to figure out a way that we can help these folks that have been affected by covid Either they are uh, unable to leave their home because of their age or, uh, for example, we had a young lady worked at a restaurant, got five kids. Uh, she's a waitress, and now she is unemployed, living paycheck to paycheck, living in an apartment, wasn't sure how she was going to feed her kids. Uh, the local people here have stepped up. Um, donations have been pouring in. From local businesses and uh, we deployed two of our cooking units out um, and we have it all set up at our headquarters. We have our cooking team, members of our cooking team here and uh, just started preparing meals and
2: delivering them. Well I saw on your Twitter post that you had as many as 2,000 meals going out each night. Is that number increased or gone down?
0: Uh, We are staying steady right at about 2,000. Last night we had Uh, 2,100 meals that went out. They're all being delivered. Um, We're following the rules as far as distances. So locals are making the deliveries. Um, We had 40 drivers last night. It's kind of like a drive-through. They pull up. We hand them one sheet of paper with their route. They pop their trunk. We load the meals in the back, and they go out and deliver. When they get to the homes, they just give them a phone call. They were here to deliver your meals. They leave the meal on the porch and uh, go to the next address.
2: Chris, are these non-perishable food items you're delivering, or are these actually hot meals?
0: Hot meals. Uh, we're, yesterday was beef tips over rice with gravy and mixed vegetables in a roll. Um, and then we also uh, delivered their lunch. When we dropped the dinner off at night, the lunch for the next day is a bagged lunch, ham sandwich, cheese, bread, bag of chips, and a cookie.
2: So you've got a regular menu there.
0: Yeah, every day we're mixing it up. Cooks are doing a great job of making sure people have variety. And we want people to have a good meal that they can uh, be proud of when they sit down with their families at night.
2: Is there some qualifications before receiving a meal?
0: No. If they call, uh, they can go to a website, feed to below, and they fill out a form. If they're asking for help, then uh, we're going to feed them.
2: Now, you know a devastating tornado hit Jonesboro on Saturday, and Eight Days of Hope usually engages disasters like this, like you did in North Mississippi in January, as I mentioned, and, of course, in Nashville and Middle Tennessee, which recently took place. Any efforts toward Jonesboro?
0: Unfortunately, we are not going to be able to respond to Jonesboro. We're trying to follow local officials and national officials' uh, recommendations, Uh, It would be hard for us to deploy to keep that number of 10 volunteers in one area at a time. So we are going to set this one out and just focus on feeding people here in uh, in Tupelo.
2: So whose idea was the feeding program, and when did it initiate?
0: Uh, Walker Wildman, my boss, is Steve Tiber. Walker is over operations for the American Family Association. He called Steve and said, hey, we need to do something. Would you be willing to partner with us to feed families? Um, so Steve got off the phone with Walker, Steve called me and said, can we make this happen? And I said, absolutely. I started making a few phone calls. And, um, what we did was we're using our local volunteers. We don't want to ask someone to leave their home in North Carolina or Texas to travel with what's going on in our nation. So we're using our local folks live here in North Mississippi to help their friends and families right here. No one has traveled in from all over the country to do what we're doing.
2: What a great effort. And we also here at Bot Radio, of course, we're friends with American Family Radio, too, the Wildman family, longtime friends with the Bot family, broadcasting God's word. But as you mentioned, volunteers, we've got listeners to Bot Radio in parts of Tupelo area and those communities. And so if you're listening right now and you would like to be a volunteer and help out in these efforts, what should they do, Chris?
0: Uh, they can contact us through our website. They go to 8 com. There's all kinds of ways that they can contact us. They can call us. They can email us. Um, but we can definitely use help. We've got um, – we're making 2,000 sandwiches today. Tonight we'll be making roughly a 1,000 uh, dinners. Uh, our building has been sanitized over and over and over. I have a team. That's all they're doing. When you come onto our property, before you can enter the gate, your temperature is checked. Uh, So we're taking every step that we can to keep people safe. So if you feel led and you want to help, trust me, we're doing everything we can to keep you safe when you come here to help.
2: The big question is, are you able to find enough food to sustain this program? You know, people are having difficulty going to Kroger, and the local shopping markets, finding food items for their families. How are you able to find so much food and how are you able to sustain this?
0: Well, we have great partners with distribution centers that we use throughout the year with rebuild trips and rapid response trips into areas where we buy in bulk. So we have a semi-trailer out in our parking lot now that is a refrigerated unit, and it is being stocked every other day. So we have everything we need the Lord has provided.
2: And how long, Chris, do you plan to provide these meals?
0: Through the 7th. We may extend but we have committed to feeding anyone that needs help in Tupelo until the 7th.
2: And these volunteers basically just making sandwiches, making meals, prepping meals? Yeah, and we have the
0: professionals here coordinating all that. Richard Allred is our head cook doing a top-notch job. We've got a lady named Robin who's overseeing the lunches. That's a production line. Everybody just gets in line, and they have their task, and uh, we knock it out quick.
2: Chris, you're always available to respond to whatever disaster and need takes place all over the country. You guys at Eight Days of Hope have proven that through relief efforts in so many ways. Of course, we've never seen anything like COVID-19 and the way it's impacting not only us, of course, here in America, but around the world. These are some trying times, but thankfully we have God who does care. I guess he's really your main motivation behind doing what you do.
0: Absolutely. So every plate, every clam cell that goes out has a scripture verse on it. When the delivery drivers call the family to let them know that the meal is going to be dropped on their front porch, they pray with them, find out if they have any prayer needs. We are circling up and praying every day here constantly. I told the team yesterday, oftentimes we have to go to the disasters, but the disaster came to us this time. This is the prime time for the church to be the church. We can't go to our buildings, but the buildings aren't the church. We are the church, and it's time for us to
2: step up. You know, those storms that made their way through Jonesboro on Saturday, those same storms were creating some havoc there in Mississippi, too. But just north of you, did you guys experience any tornadoes there?
0: Uh, We didn't experience any tornadoes here in Tupelo. Uh, it was definitely windy. The weather got rough. Our kitchen is set up outside, so we had to strap everything down and get prepared for it, but we didn't have any damage, praise the Lord.
2: Praise God for that. Well, Chris, if our listeners want to discover more about Eight Days of Hope, you'd recommend the website?
0: Yeah, if they go to com, you can read all about us. We started after Katrina. We've been doing this for a long time, since 2005, been to over 40 Cities, counties, and towns to help after disasters, and uh, we, you know, we do unique things like this feeding. Whenever we feel the Lord calling us to help, um, we'll modify what we do to make sure we're in His will.
2: Praise the Lord for that, Chris. Thank you so much. I always enjoy having you on Mid South Viewpoint. No matter what you're doing, you're serving the Lord and helping people, and we appreciate. Those efforts. Again, friend Chris Childs, the Rapid Response Manager with Eight Days of Hope, based down in Tupelo, Mississippi. Right now, their concentration is on Tupelo and Lee County, Tupelo Hunger Again, as Chris mentioned, you can go to their website, eight days and you can also visit Tupelo Hunger org. And if you live in the Tupelo community, we're not asking our listeners from Memphis and outlying areas to volunteer, but those in Mississippi, those close to the Tupelo community there, that would like to volunteer a few hours. About how long of time does it take, Chris, to volunteer?
0: We'll take any amount of time you can give us. But uh, we start at nine o'clock, and we have volunteers working here until about six thirty. Oh. So anytime you just pop in. Uh, when you get here, Miss Chandler's going to check your temperature, and then she'll. Uh, ask you what, how you want to help and give you some options and take you back to those areas.
2: Chris Charles, thank you so much for joining Mid-South Viewpoint this afternoon.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for your time, brother.
2: Many residents are thankful to be alive after the EF3 tornado swept through their town in Jonesboro as well as neighboring communities this past Saturday. A large twister tore through the south side of the city of more than 75,000 people just after 5 p.m. local time. Jonesboro Television affiliate KAIT wrote that the mall and numerous nearby homes were destroyed. Two damaged planes at the airport will require some heavy machinery in order to move it. We wanted to bring our BOT Radio Network Mid-South listeners updated. Also, we have listeners in Jonesboro that we want to talk to right now. Pastor Dan Reeves of the Journey Church in Jonesboro joins us. Pastor Dan, how are you making it through tornadoes and COVID-19?
1: Oh, my goodness, man. It's uh, it's been a really interesting time, to say the least. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, everyone's been hunkered down with uh, the social distancing, and obviously we've pivoted a lot. just due to that, and then you know, on Saturday with the storms rolling through, that presented a whole uh, new uh, a set of circumstances for us to navigate. But you know what, the Lord's been faithful. I mean, we are just amazed by uh, as we watched the tornado come through uh, that we didn't have anyone uh, severely injured. Uh, it's amazing, really, as we were watching that. So, I mean, we're we're just trying to get our feet under us and pivot again and see how we can uh, be the body across to our community.
2: So where were you at the time the tornado came through the area?
1: Well, we were at home. At the time of the storm, when originally earlier in the morning they said it was going to be a pretty low risk, they thought. And as it escalated pretty quickly, as the storms got closer to Jonesboro, I mean, it became pretty evident. So we got our family and we were in our safe spot at our house, and we were watching the local news and trying to keep up with that and checking on our friends and family and all that. But yeah, we were at home on the outskirts, on the west side of Jonesboro, a little bit, so we weren't in the direct path at our home. But our our church building was right in the line. I mean. Uh, it went right behind our church building over on that side of town. So we were watching the whole thing as we could see the tornado form online.
2: But as you look around your community over the last couple of days, can you believe just how devastating this storm hit? I mean, just how impactful it was.
1: I tell you that thing. You know, I mentioned this Sunday to our uh, on our online service is we're able now through technology to watch in real time, this tornado form. And I'm a lifelong resident of Jonesboro. You know, as we watched that thing, you could see it drop down, and and all we could think of was uh, we knew what businesses it was hitting. We knew the areas of town. We knew people that lived in those neighborhoods. And, I mean, it was just really, uh, my wife said it best. She said, you don't realize how much you love a city until you see it under siege uh, like that. And it was just an unbelievable thing. And it, it was such a massive tornado in size. Oh my gosh, it was just mind-boggling to watch it happen in real time.
2: There has been history of some pretty devastating storms and tornado damage that has hit that area in the years past. I remember growing up, mm-hmm. I'm from the area, you know, I remember growing up years ago as a child, hearing reports of some really devastating tornadoes that made its path through right. your area.
1: Yeah, I think there was a 68, and one in, in 1973, both of them right through the heart of the city.
2: I think the 68 was the one I was, shows you how old I am there, Dan. 68 was the one I was thinking about. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I think it's the one that took out uh, the old Jonesboro High
2: School. That's exactly right. Well, Pastor, what do you do in times like this?
1: Well, you know, first of all, I mean, a national disaster presents its own set of circumstances, but I think for us, I mean, we were already in the middle, like everyone else in the world, of trying to figure out how to how to do ministry and how to serve our community and love our neighbors during a time with the the COVID-19 scenario. You know, our people are already trying to kind of reeling from that and the financial stuff and then to see this thing drop down and then try to figure out how do we now meet needs. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I don't know that anybody's been through this before. Uh, And so... I feel like we're just really looking to the Lord and, and trying to, to to keep things as simple, which I think is the biggest benefit of this, if there is a silver lining, if you would say. We just really feel convinced that the Lord is stripping away so many things that don't matter, and we've been focusing on what remains is what matters. And, and so as a church, we've been really leaning into Paul's phrase in Galatians chapter 5 where he says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so we are trying to say, well, you know, apart from having programs and ministries and all those things like now, how can we just simply show love to our neighbors and present to them opportunities to be ministered to and to uh, be exposed to the gospel of Christ in a positive way? We're just looking for those opportunities, and most of those are really practical ones. Uh, Immediately after the storm, the local uh, law enforcement, they contacted us uh, because the tornado was so close to our building and the neighborhoods that were most devastated by it were immediately behind us. They asked us to open up our building for a shelter, and so we kind of made haste and got everybody together and and ran over there and worked with the medical and police officials. And, you know, as they were doing the search and rescue, man, we were so fortunate and blessed that, uh, again, no fatalities or anything like that. And so, I mean, we started there, and now we're— uh you know we've been able to feed people we're we're working on some with some construction crews and disaster relief and other local nonprofits the red cross all those uh all those folks
2: i understand that samaritans purse has also made its way to your community
1: they are i think they arrived yesterday they're actually set up at at another sister church in in, in town uh the rock church right there on the main uh Highway going through town, and so yeah, they they've made it here. Arkansas Baptist Disaster Relief. Uh, they've set up a command post in our in our facility where they're coordinating their crews, and we've had people from all over the state come in from there, assisting as well. Uh, they're providing meals, and uh, they've got some uh, some heavy machinery where they're able to go in and move some uh, down trees and and so on and so forth, as well as tarping roofs to try to protect. We just had another couple inches of rain last night on top of that. So we were working hard yesterday to get crews out to the ones that could salvage their homes. We were trying to get them covered up so that they wouldn't lose more uh, of their possessions and and those type of things. So yeah, uh, a lot of people from a lot of different places. Our community has just been phenomenal. Um, Just so many organizations working together. Um, It's just a, a beautiful thing to see.
2: Pastor Dan, is Journey Church right now actually housing people during this time? Well, actually, we don't
1: have anyone left in the building. They initially they had we had set up through the city uh, four shelters, and as we got through the night, uh, we were able to position most people in hotels and find the housing for them in other places. And so now there's no one left in the building. We were set up to uh, with fifty cots, and we had uh, the Arkansas Health Department there and. We're doing, you know, COVID screening and all those type of things. But, uh, man, unfortunately, the way it hit, uh, a lot of businesses and then the neighborhoods that it did hit, we were able to work with them to find other alternate housing. uh, And so we don't have anybody left in the building.
2: That's really a blessing. Unfortunately, during times like this, people scamming people. A lot of people's motions are high strung, and they're trying to figure out what to do, and you get people to try to take advantage of that. The mayor of Jonesboro came out, I believe, yesterday, and said use caution and make sure you use your local contractors there in Jonesboro to help you yeah. and I think that's a wise word
1: oh sure sure and there are a lot of good contractors in, in town and you know it's interesting because right now there's so many people that need work but at the same time you do always have to be careful uh, you know but I think it for us you know we've got a lot of we've got a lot of connections because we've been here and so if somebody has a question they can generally ask uh, some people, and it's a close-knit community enough where we should know some folks yeah. and be able to give some good recommendations.
2: Why don't you give us a little background of the Journey Church start, how you connected, and about your ministry there?
1: Well, we're a, a church plant out of another local church. Like I said, I grew up in Jonesboro. I was a member of Central Baptist Church here in Jonesboro. Uh had gone away and uh, done some ministry in other cities, other towns. came back uh, a little over 10 years ago and was a college pastor. My wife and I came back and Uh, we worked hard with a college ministry. That college ministry grew. It was called The Journey originally, so that's where the name Journey Church has come from. It actually came out of a college ministry. God just did an amazing work. We started with about 40 college students. Uh, It grew really rapidly over two years to about 250, and then we actually moved as a campus of Central Baptist onto Arkansas State University's campus. We met portably for about three years, And then just a little over uh, five years ago, uh, six years ago now, we we built the building over here uh, where we now uh, live uh, and reside over on the northeast corner of Jonesboro. So we've been autonomous now for two years. And, uh, so it's been a, it's been an amazing ride, but, uh, you know, we've, uh, gone through every transition from a college ministry to a, a multi-site campus and now to an autonomous church. And, uh, now we're uh, looking to expand and plant churches, uh, really in college towns all over, uh, in a, basically a 250 mile radius around our, our area.
2: So exciting, Pastor Dan. Well, as you talk about building a church from the college age demographics, we look at the statistics of COVID-19. Unfortunately, we're seeing high numbers of this age group coming down with the virus. Uh, can right. you speak into that a moment?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah, there. I think with college students, I mean, my understanding, I obviously know expert. I mean, I, I know college students. I'm, I'm not a medical expert. But uh, I think uh, the college students are are pretty mobile, uh, for one. I think that uh, they generally maybe don't have the same sense of, you know, like how how they can – how impactful they are. I mean, one of the things that makes college students so great is they are so mobile and they are uh, connected. And I think, you know, with with the virus, perhaps, that might – Uh, be something that uh, is actually kind of a detriment in some ways with that. Uh, It's the same thing we lean into from a spiritual side and a positive side. I think, you know, sometimes they're able to get out and get connected and maybe don't have the same, uh, I don't know, if the word soberness or or something like that. I mean, our students have been unbelievable in the way that they served and did those things, but I think as a general rule, you know, there's a little bit more of a, uh, uh, you know, looseness to being able to get out and stay connected and and those type of things. But, you know, we also see them being a positive force. I mean, we have had so many of them serve, and, uh, man, they're trying to make a huge impact. And and we've just seen college students, by and large, over the last 10 to 12 years be the heartbeat of what we do. And and I think they provide us such a great asset to our community and our nation, our world.
2: That's a good word there, Pastor Dan. Well, as you move through the next weeks ahead, what do you foresee Journey Church engaging in when it comes to the aftermath of this tornado, which I know will be ongoing for many months ahead?
1: Right. Well, I think with anything like this, I mean, obviously you're going through the shock of it, and you have the immediate needs, and once you kind of assess those and get things stabilized— uh, you've got the physical things that you, that you do, just the practical meet, meeting needs, and that's gonna require a lot of rebuilding, obviously, uh, within our city, and so we're gonna... Uh, We're working hard uh, with uh, local partners to be able to meet those immediate needs and then build into those two of our big partners, Northeast Arkansas Food Bank, and then also the Hub, which is a local homeless shelter and ministry, which we're working with uh, that population as well to try to meet those needs. And so just the physical needs, obviously, is going to be a huge part of that. The other part of that is going to be just the spiritual needs. And what we've seen just our own connections already is such an openness and a readiness just to, uh, to have conversations. People are right now, interestingly, with the, with the COVID-19, a lot of the obstacles we, we would typically have in ministry have been
0: removed.
1: Uh, we have some new ones, but you know, the time and basically all the extracurricular activities and all those type of things that people normally have now we have a lot of time and open opportunities and so we're just trying to relearn how to how to do ministry in this age so we're we're just going to continue to go about meeting those spiritual needs and try to think outside the box and try to say okay what is the lord doing in this season and and what's he doing in our community and just be attentive to those uh, physical and spiritual needs and realize that people have real questions you know sometimes those require more than cliche answers and you know churches oftentimes I feel like we 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 know those pad cliche answers, and uh, we just want to engage in conversations and have deeper conversations and, and let people ask their questions and be there to listen and then love on people and point them to the hope that we all know we have in Jesus Christ.
2: I love that, Pastor Dan, especially going back to what you said from those verses out of Galatians that we have this love that we need to give, you know, the love of Christ and looking for ways to example that through meeting practical needs in times like we're facing right now. And it's not a time for the church to be fearful, but to step up to these opportunities.
1: Right. Well, I mean, we have a message of good news, and that's the essence of what this is all about. And so I think just recapturing and holding on to the good news that we have, and and people are looking for hope. In a time when a lot of other things they've hoped in have been taken away, whether it be you know physical things uh, or finances or just the stability of living in a nation that's doing pretty well you know, in a lot of aspects. But just to point them back to the good news that we have and that faith expressing itself
2: through love. Dan Reeves, the lead pastor of Journey Church in Jonesboro, if our listening friends wanted to maybe make a contribution to any relief efforts you're doing, is there a way they could do that?
1: Well, there are. Uh, I mean, one of the clearest ways uh, for us, if you want to go through us, we are – I mentioned a few local partners um, that we have. And we have on our website, com. there's a Give button there. And there is a – we call it a Go Further Mission Fund. And 100% of that during this time is going directly out to local partners that are actually doing the work. We're not keeping any of that money that's given in there. We're just channeling that to – Uh, these local partners that we've vetted and we know. So if someone wants to give financially and they're looking for an easy way to do that, they can certainly do that. I know that our church is not keeping that. We're just becoming a conduit to those. Uh, There's obviously a lot of other great uh, churches and nonprofits in Jonesboro that are doing a lot of great things as well. And if somebody wants to know more about some of those opportunities directly, Uh, They can email us at info at com. Our team, our mobilization team, will be happy to respond to them and get them connected to uh, however they want to serve and give.
2: Dan, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you and the Journey Church is doing for Christ's kingdom there in Jonesboro. Our prayers with you, and thanks for joining Bot Radio this afternoon.
1: Hey, well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate what you guys do.
2: Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.